0: back to Common Fan Commentary. I'm your host, Adam. I'm joined by my friend, Ronnie.
1: Hey, how's it going, guys? Glad to be back for another week.
0: Well, let's just jump right into it. NFL week two, wrapping up. We did a little preview of who we thought our division winners were going to be. We're going to revisit some of the teams that surprised us, and then the ones that really disappointed so far. Who's one of your surprise teams, Ronnie? So I would have to say that my team that came out a little firing off going
1: 2-0 so far, I would have to go with the Packers. I think Aaron Jones, I know my brother was keeping up with fantasy because he plays a lot. Aaron Jones, I think it was averaging around 40 to 45 points in fantasy right now this week. Four receptions, 68 yards, one touchdown, 18 carries, 168 yards, two touchdowns by rush. Aaron Jones for the Green Bay Packers has gone off the rails. If you have him on your fantasy, good for you. I mean, you can't You can't talk bad about Rodgers either, but definitely they were on the back of Aaron Jones. This is their first 2-0 start in a few years, I want to say. So I would have to say the Packers are a team to watch out for in to see.
0: I have to kind of eat my words. I I doubted Aaron Rodgers, which was a big mistake. But he was on the decline, especially after last year. But instituting Aaron Jones into their offense, they've never had a... The Packers, I can't remember the last time they had a good running back since like Amon Green, maybe with Brett Favre. Adding that to their offense was just the explosion of Aaron Jones just did everything for the Packers. But another team that surprised me, even though they didn't start out 2-0, and Jacksonville Jaguars. And i got to say, you were right. And trust in the stash. I've been really surprised at how Gardner Minshew has played. I thought that team was going to be tanking for number one overall pick, to be honest. And Minshew just won't let him. <laughs> Seems to be uh, destroying their tank. I was listening to somebody who compared him to the younger Ryan Fitzpatrick where you put him on a losing team and he's going to win you games just to prevent you from getting the number one overall pick. Trust the stash, Jacksonville.
1: Hey man, I'm glad to hear that my, my Jacksonville Jaguars pick wasn't too out of out of the ordinary. I would have to also talk about the the Buffalo Bills, man. I think they're kind of a team that currently is 2-0. They're kind of one of those teams that can probably sneak up on another team, right? Like, they they can definitely make a run, especially in the division they are right now with New England, Miami, and the Jets. New England might be one of the only teams in that division that will give them a run for their money, depending on you know Cam Newton and Bill Belichick, but you can never count the Patriots out, ever. I think the Patriots have some serious competition in their division right now.
0: Yeah, Josh Allen is playing like an elite quarterback. I really doubted him as well. I didn't think he would develop into the star that he's playing like. They had 340 yards of offense in the first half against the Dolphins, which... Last year, they averaged 350 per game, and they were able to do that in the first half. This is a completely different Bills team than we're used to. It seems that this time they're they're firing on all cylinders. Surprising me so far.
1: So talking about the Ups, now let's talk about some teams that we initially picked as favorites. What are some teams you would have to say have disappointed
0: so far? Vikings. Wow. The way they played the Colts, it was just a steamroll the whole time, and the Colts with Phil Rivers, aren't the team that should be steamrolling others. Don't get me wrong, they are a decent team. You only put up 11 on them. Kirk Cousins is back to par. Uh, After a pretty solid season last season, after beating the Saints in the playoffs last year, I saw this team doing a lot more, even after losing Stephon Diggs, which, looking back now, that might be a huge trade that derailed this offense. Dalvin Cook, Finally showing out he's a superstar. They've just been playing like garbage. Don't have any of the downfield talent that they did when they had Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. And now, without Diggs, teams can just key in on Thielen and they don't have much else. They drafted Justin Jefferson or Kirk Cousins. But that man is just eternally cursed when it comes to facing a winning team. Anytime he faces a winning team, he is not reliable. I don't know why I picked him to win the division at this point. They just did a complete 180 into this year. Yeah, I was surprised to
1: see kind of how the shaky start of the season that they're having. I know they they did pretty well in the playoffs last year. Brand new stadium. I think most people expected to come in this season and, and be a team to watch out for, right? They have essentially the right players in the right positions, but they're just something's not connecting. Something's not adding up. So not the best of starts, but it's still early, potentially looking for a wild card spot. It's still early in the season, so I'll give them that benefit of the doubt, but we'll see what ends up happening. I would have to say my pick for a team that I was surprised to see their shaky and struggling start has to be the Falcons. Mm-hmm. I know this is coming from a, a Dallas Cowboys fan talking. Watching that game, I was just thinking, man, if the Falcons leave any time on the clock, it doesn't matter which quarter, just the game's not completely it's not over. They have the, the ability to lose the game. They were up by two possessions with less than five minutes to go against the Cowboys, and they somehow let the Cowboys, one, come back, two, recover an onside kick, three, put it in field goal position, and ended up losing the game by a point. I really don't even know who to blame here, other than maybe the special teams in the Cowboys game. But Matt Ryan was 24 for 36, 273 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. He was sacked one time I don't think it's their offense it just seems like they can't close out games
0: of course we saw their special teams inefficiency this past week I think it's honestly coaching the clock management it's using your timeouts correctly coaching your special teams to be able to recover that onside kick since all the rule changes I don't think many onside kicks should be recovered at all anymore considering the kicking team doesn't get a running start I know it can take a funny bounce maybe but that's the only time I could see anyone recovering an onside kick this week, it just seems like they weren't ready. Matt Ryan played them into a lead, and then it was the same thing that they did against the Patriots twenty-eight to three. Sorry to rub salt and wound, Falcons fans, but choke artist, I guess, is the best way to put it. Is they're they're clinical when it comes to choking out games that just carried over into what we've seen so far.
1: Yeah, and they and they've had a rough start own two in the division that they're in with the Saints. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough for them to
0: to make a run for just playoffs if they continue this honestly especially with the Buccaneers shooting for that wild card behind the Saints I don't think it's Matt Ryan's fault at all he's an elite quarterback can't give up 40 and expect to win a game that defense needs to clean itself up your special teams cannot choke that hard even if with the onside kick they still gave up like even if that didn't happen The defense gave up 450 yards to Dak Prescott. Can't just let Cowboys just march on down the field for that entire fourth quarter and expect to win that game. Do you think they get complacent when they have such a big lead? Because it seems like anytime they get a big lead, they just can't close it out. I guess. And I think that might just have to do with the coaching. That might be the shakeup that the Falcons need. Might be a whole new personnel change. It is early. If you're going to stumble and make mistakes, this would be the time to. You can turn it around still, but that was an uh, in-the-bag win that you definitely fumbled Atlanta. And how many times did the Cowboys fumble that game? Four, four or five times? And you still give up 40 yeah. points? They had a lot
1: of turnovers.
0: Incredible. Yeah, I was thinking, I
1: was like, I was like, man, Cowboys should have lost this week and won last week, but they're backwards. I just did not expect them to win this this week at all.
0: Well, if you're playing the Falcons, you have a chance until the clock runs out. This is true. Speaking of choking, heading back into the NBA playoffs, Los Angeles Clippers drop Game 7 to the Denver Nuggets after a 3-1 series lead. Who is to blame? The Clippers built a solid roster with the acquisition of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in the offseason. They felt that this was the title contention team. Who do you think is to blame? for this 3-1 choke from the Clippers?
1: I think it it falls really on everybody else, right? All of the supporting cast, including the coaching. You just have to have better coaching to lead your team because Kawhi was playing lights out. He's been playing lights out in the playoffs. Yet, you know, Game 7, him and Paul George are sitting on the bench down by almost 20 with 20 seconds left, accepting their defeat when a lot of different things should have happened. But I do believe it it has to be the supporting cast around him. I think you mentioned it. It's a league where if you don't have two or three bona fide superstars on your team, you're going to struggle. You can make runs with one, but you just kind of need two players game in, game out, especially in the playoffs, to to have all-star games, right? Just to put the team on your back, carry you to a W. And I think Kawhi was doing that for them. I just don't think they had the consistency of Paul George, as the number two, Beverly, Williams. None of them were a solid number two supporting player for Kawhi.
0: You're mentioning Paul George, right? So he is an all-star player. You still think that, right? For sure. For sure. I think he's still an all-star. But this playoffs really showed that he's not a superstar. That's where you prove to the world you are a superstar. Clutch scenarios, that's where you shine. And Paul George was nowhere to be found. Basically, that whole playoffs, I never felt Paul George's presence. Is this solely on Paul George and the support? Or how much blame do we cast onto Kawhi?
1: This is why I don't say Kawhi's to blame. LA Clippers postseason stats. uh, Team leaders in points, Kawhi. Rebounds, Kawhi. Assists, Kawhi. Steals, Kawhi. Blocks, Kawhi Leonard. I don't think you can blame Kawhi Leonard for not winning that game. He was doing all he could Where is the support? Where's the rest of the team?
0: I agree. I agree.
1: (laughs) He's playing lights out. He's probably just asking for some, just some support here and there. And with the players they put around him, you would expect Paul George, right? We said, we both agreed all-star just for some reason, playoff P just didn't show up. Lou Williams, Marcus Morris Sr. Like other than maybe Montrezl Harrell, who I think was kind of like a, a sleeper agent for the Clippers, and I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. The rest of the team, I don't, I didn't see much of. At least not like making a big role or making a big support or a cause for like, hey, this this guy definitely played lights out. I think it's everybody except for Kawhi to blame here.
0: So, if you are looking at the supporting cast, Montrezl Harold did a great job. He's always been a great player that's under the radar. If we're looking at the rest of them, yeah, Lou Williams is a good off-the-bench scorer, but they had no one to answer for Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray was tearing them up game in, game out. Their best answer was Pat Beverly, who is an overrated defender who all bark no bite. We saw it in game seven. He gave up 40 to Jamal Murray. You have to have some kind of answer, whether that be on the offensive end or a defensive end, to someone who's playing that well against you. Kawhi had an off night in game seven. If Kawhi has an off night, Clippers have an off night. Paul George wasn't not an all star. Do you think that the Clippers should move on from Paul George? How much did they give up for him? They gave up nine draft picks for him and Shy Gages Alexander, who is an up and coming star with the Thunder. You can't just ship off Paul George because you've already invested so much into him. We'll just move right into the hot take. LeBron would have been able to take this Clippers team to the finals instead of Kawhi.
1: Initially, like, my gut's telling me yes, but even LeBron has had some support on the Cavs, on the Heat. I think with Kyrie and Kevin, when he was on the Cavs, they could at least have, like, a rotational night where maybe if one was a little off, the other one would, just, would pick up the slack, or between the two and the three, they could, they could fill that role, and then LeBron could do the rest. It takes just having that supporting cast, right? LeBron's great, don't get me wrong. I think he's going to win the finals if the Lakers make it I would be surprised if they lose I just think he's even had the support at least by some players when he plays like it feels like he isn't out there alone it might look like that media might make it look like that And I mean he's dropping maybe 30 points average but he's getting support here and there from all the teams he's played for especially now on the Lakers like him and AD run run the court it's terrifying I don't think even LeBron could have Saved the Clippers here. I'm going to be honest. It would (laughs) have
0: taken a lot. It is a pretty hot take.
1: Do I think if they would have gone to Game 7 and LeBron was on the Clippers, I think LeBron single-handedly would have taken the Clippers through. I just don't see them winning the title because Game 7 LeBron is terrifying.
0: I do think that Kawhi and LeBron are, they're both in the top three discussion in the league. When it comes to playoff time, I think we gave Kawhi maybe a little too much credit by quote-unquote carrying the Raptors into the finals last year he did have a strong supporting cast around him and he had a solid system to play for in those clutch scenarios yeah Kawhi did carry the Raptors for the most part but that was a good team and I don't think the Clippers were nearly as strong and that showed it's a team sport you can't score all 100 points yourself Unless you're Wilt Chamberlain or Kobe Bryant. In a team sport, you have to have other people score or else you're going to lose. And the Clippers really felt that. They're going to have to address this offseason. Heading on over to the MLB playoff push. We already have a few teams that have clinched their spot. A team that has, has been making plenty of splashes in previous offseasons. And finally has made the playoffs. in the first time in 12 years is the Chicago White Sox. As someone who loves to see young superstars, The White Sox are loaded. I think they're going to be making some noise uh, in the playoffs this year based on their ace, Lucas Giolito. He's going to be one of the best pitchers in this league in a few years. Emerging talents in Luis Robert in the outfield, one of the fastest people I've ever seen. And they've seen the resurgence of Jose Abreu, they have power hitters at almost every single position. The only question I have from them is their bullpen. That's what they address in their offseason. So I think the White Sox might be a little scary this year. They have a lot of swagger, and I got to say, I'm, I'm kind of rooting for them in the American League. You got the White Sox. You're liking their
1: playoff push. And I think we've mentioned this many times in multiple sports. You get hot at the right time, and you get that momentum going. It could be what takes you you know, all the way. Another team that's hot, I got to mention the Yankees, man. They batting right now is insane. I wouldn't even call it batting anymore. In one inning, they scored five home runs,
0: 19 home runs in a three-game stretch. What kind of water or Gatorade are they sipping on? What do you think? This whole time, they've been constructing a team full of power hitters. They finally are keeping their role players healthy, because that's what really derailed them last year, even a couple years ago. Well, I mean, the Astros a couple years ago, but... We don't need to talk about that. They have their guys healthy. Luke Voigt is leading the league in home runs. I'm sure no one except for people who even follow baseball know who he is. Something's in the water, like you said. There's some beasts up in New York. If I was an opposing bullpen, I would not want to see the Yankees on my schedule because you know at least someone's going to hit one off you. <laughs> They're a scary team heading into the postseason, as much as I hate to say it. They've done it a little bit differently than years past. They used to be they would just buy the best talent in the league. That's how they built their teams. And this year, it's felt like a lot more internal development. They are white hot. I don't know if anyone can stop them at this point. So something I thought I would mention that makes this year a little bit different from other years is the MLB trade deadline. And that's usually, it's one of the most aggressive league-wide acquisition time for every team. That's usually the, you stick by your phone for a whole day, and you'll just see a trade, trade, trade. And it's usually a lot of fun to follow. This year, since there are more teams going to the playoffs, that means less teams are less likely to sell, so you have less sellers and more buyers. This year was a pretty tame trade deadline, and I just wanted to highlight that this is just another reason why expanding the playoffs is dumb.
1: Moving on to hockey and the Stanley Cup Finals, I gotta say we we picked the the Stanley Cup Finals teams. You yeah, know, we were right on the money.
0: Yeah, I picked the Lightning. You picked the Stars. What do you know? Stars are up one zero. Pulling for the Stars, man. I'm still going for the Lightning. They need to break their curse. Hey, I might I might
1: just go from like soccer to hockey because apparently I'm I'm a little bit better at that at picking teams <laughs> for that one than I am for. Uh, most other teams in, in soccer right now.
0: And welcome to the hockey podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're going to change our uh, soccer background
0: to a ice hockey
1: rink. All right, everybody, that's a new update.
0: Speaking of soccer, there is one team that I, I wanted to highlight, Tottenham Hotspur. They don't have any hardware. They don't win trophies. They are considered one of the top six clubs in the Premier League, yet they have not won a cup. They have not won a Premier League championship. They have no hardware. That's the meme. They finally decided to start making moves in this transfer window after already securing a midfielder in Hojbjerg from Southampton and a right back in Matt Doherty from Wolverhampton. They finally decided to get a little more star power into their team in bringing back Gareth Bale. They're paying a portion of his exorbitant wage bill. I'm sure Real Madrid's happy that they're paying anything at all. When you <laughs> when you're bringing him back, I feel like they were at their best at that position when Bale was there. And then they also, from Real Madrid, got the transfer of Sergio Regulion. Finally, looking at some star power, they've got an elite front line now between Harry Kane, Hyung min Son, and Gareth Bale.
1: I want to say, you know, homecoming for the, the club and the player who made each other. And I think they kind of helped each other leap into that next echelon of their sports. So I was happy to see it, but then I, I remembered the one at the helm is... Jose Mourinho and he kind of fell out with Bale while he was at Real Madrid and he also didn't play Bale much so I'm kind of curious as to how this is going to work between Bale and Mourinho you know same coach same player just different club and team colors but I don't see Bale getting a lot of favoritism under Mourinho he might get some playing time I mean more than he probably is gonna was getting at Real Madrid since he was just playing golf majority of the time there (laughs) I'm interested to see. I want Bill to play, you know, I want him to have a resurgence. I think having a player of his caliber just riding the bench, not playing, and us not being able to enjoy his talents is just, I mean, it's it's a shame. They have speedy wingers, right? I, I just don't know where he'll fit in, especially under Mourinho.
0: I think right wing, they've been relying on Lucas Moura a little too much. He's a good player, but he's not the elite talent that they need. Harry Kane, he's great in spells. Uh, they're very streaky. They'll score a ton of goals all at once, and then you won't hear from them from a week. So I think adding Gareth Bale is nothing but good, and he's so beloved by Tottenham fans that I feel like Mourinho is forced to play him, which is good. He's scary on free kicks. I feel like this can only be good for Tottenham. They appear to be done with one of the struggling, budding stars in Delhi What What's going on? He's always been struggling to find his, he played the same position similar to Christian Eriksen when he was there at Central Attack. He's not clinical enough to be a striker, but he's also not defensive enough to play at mid, so he's always struggled to kind of slot into where Tottenham's trying to play. I think they're finally saying, we've tried to develop you. You seem to have elite potential, but that potential isn't really meshing well with us. He kind of has that Mario Gota syndrome where it's like, you're good. We know you're good. We just don't know where to put you. The way he fits with the other players, it's just tactically. And um, so it feels like they're moving on from him, especially after they get bail um, to solidify that attack. Uh, They already have solid wingers for the future and Steven Vine. And I feel like that this is just part of it. PhD said to be interested. Maybe a different club will help his development.
1: Yeah. I'm curious to see how Dele Alley would, uh, would transition from being at Tottenham for so long to going to another big-name big, big name club. I do think he has assets, though. I think he's he's a good talent. You mentioned he might just need to find the right home, the right management around him, for him to kind of be a consistent player producing. Going back on Tottenham, do you think Mourinho is the manager Tottenham needs? Is the manager they want? Is What do you think of Mourinho?
0: I was a huge fan of Pochettino who was they led them to the Champions League final. And then in the season after, they had a rough stretch of games, leading them to, I think, 11th in the table. And so they sacked him. I think that was a little knee-jerk and a mistake because Pochettino, the one who helps build prospects onto the pitch. He was really good about rotating his players enough and getting them the minutes that they can improve by getting that game time. He excelled at that. And Mourinho is a lot more rigid than Poach in that way. Here's my favorite 11 guys. If I like you, you're going to play a lot. If I don't like you, I might sell you. And I'm not going to be nice about yeah. it. They just went from a direct switch of player coach who he was basically friends with the rest of the team. They just have such different personalities. And maybe that's just never been a huge fan of coaches who are like that. I'm a much bigger fan of people like Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola, who are professional, but also get along well with their players. just feel like Mourinho, he's less friendly. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. His system works because he's won Champions League titles with it. You can't argue with his success, but at the same time, I feel like he needs to be more adept.
1: And I mean, every coach has their different style, but no, I have to agree. I don't, Mourinho's not known for being you know, the most friendly, most player-orientated coach. He's the kind of coach you bring in to bring in the championships, to bring in the wins, to bring in results, really. So if, if that's not your style of play or your style of coaching that you appreciate and, you know, mesh well with as a player, you're not going to get along with him super well, especially if you're maybe on a lower, on like a little downfall or your skill, right? Like you're not playing at your highest potential. He's not the kind of coach you would, essentially want over you. We'll see how these two new players, I mean, Bale being probably the biggest Regulian pickup. fix
0: fixes a big need that they've had, though. Ever since Danny Rose has declined in ability, they thought Ben Davies was going to be his heir apparent and take over, um, and he's okay, but he's not the star that they need when they're playing teams like Man City, who have Bernardo Silva, Riyad Mahrez on the right, and they need to protect their flank. They just don't have the talent to do that. So I think Reguilon's an amazing transfer for them.
1: Do you think he'll slide in right into that
0: uh, starting spot in the back line, though? There will at least be some rotation because he did come from Real. Um, so I think they might have that connection with him and Mourinho. So I think he will definitely get time in the back. Ben Davies is good. He's just a little inconsistent. And he's not the best defender when it comes to trying to defend against elite talent. And Regulion has that experience. He, play, he was on loan with Sevilla last year, and he had to guard against Real Madrid, Barcelona, and he led them to Europa League finals.
1: Their back line picking up this player is, is helpful. I know, for example, they, Youngman's son scored four today. They, they beat Southampton 5-2, but still letting two in. I'm not saying that's bad, because I mean, they're still... One,
0: one was a penalty at like the 90th minute. Yeah, the handball was, it was unlucky. But still, I mean, we'll see
1: how they get, get along against you know the likes of bigger clubs. No no, bash on Southampton. but um, I mean, they
0: did lose to Everton in match day one. Hey, man, James might be
1: possibly one of the best pickups so far in the Premier League by any club out yeah. of all the transfers.
0: I did call it. They said they were the sneaky pick for one of the best Yeah, transfers. and he, he was playing lights out this week for Everton. We mentioned Leeds had a documentary on Amazon Prime, and so does Tottenham. It was during the time they were switching coaches, right as Mourinho took charge. And they were also switching stadiums. So it kind of takes a look at all of that. In this, Danny Rose, who's played for Tottenham for seven years, given his all for the team, English International, left back. He was struggling for playing time under Mourinho because he had a rough stretch of games. And Mourinho tells him directly, you played terribly against Liverpool. And that's why I didn't start you, because a prospect in Tanganga had a great game against lower-level Premier League team than you did against Liverpool. That's why I'm starting him over you. Danny Rose just kind of loses it, saying, like, what are you talking about? Like, I had one bad game. That doesn't make any sense. And he kind of loses his cool a little bit. And Mourinho thinks this is funny. He's not a player's coach. He's not here to please you. He's here to get wins. That's just such a switch from what they had with Mauricio Pochettino. That was a tense interaction. So hot take, Mourinho will not lead Tottenham to Champions League qualification again this year.
1: I don't think that's too much of a hot take. Tottenham currently is a above average team, just like I don't think they can compete with the likes of some of the other European clubs, number one, and some of their own domestic clubs in England.
0: They barely squeaked by a Bulgarian team to receive Europa League qualification this year. Arsenal's starting to see a resurgence. Chelsea has had just secured their new goalkeeper over Kepa. Everton's starting to see a comeback. Leicester starting off hot as well. It just feels like the rest of the league is vastly improving, and Tottenham may not have shown that thus far. I don't think that's a hot take at all. All right, speaking of Premier League, we've been talking about transfer activity for so long. Liverpool, they secured Bayern midfielder Thiago after he publicly said, I would like to play under Jurgen Klopp. And then they also got Wolves forward Diogo Hota, which was also a surprise considering the amount they paid was, was a similar amount to Timo Werner, who they were rumored to a long time. And then they said they weren't going to pay that much for any one player. Liverpool finally joins the battle. What do you make of these transfers? I wouldn't say crucial for
1: Liverpool. They're definitely good, right? I don't think they were crucial for them to stay as good as they are. But with these signings, Chelsea can go pick up all these players. I mean, we can do the same, and we'll use these players to beat you. I think it's just Liverpool flexing their muscles a little bit, showing that, hey, we can do it too. We don't need to go out and get five players. We're just going to get two, and we're going to still, you know, beat you on the pitch. So I think it's them flexing their muscles a bit. They're still great signings. Don't get me wrong. Thiago was amazing for Bayern. Diego Jota with Wolverhampton is probably one of the most breakout teams with some of the most breakout stars in the last two Premier League seasons. So again, solid, solid pickups. And I think they just solidify the, the dynamic of the team.
0: I am surprised that they didn't pick up any second defender to play next to Van Dyke, but I think they're comfortable with Joe Gomez or Joel Matip. These basically just shore up more rotation options if someone has an off night. We posted a story on our Facebook account and Instagram. We want to know what you think. We would love to answer your questions. So here's a couple fan questions we had. First up from Coda the Hound Dog,
1: what is our favorite story Sports moment that we have ever experienced live, like in person or on TV.
0: My favorite TV moment, I'd say, the Saints in the Super Bowl, the Tracy Porter pick six to clinch the game against Peyton Manning, and I feel like that's tied with when the Spurs took home the title i'd say it was the revenge tour title they lost finals game six ray allen hits the jumper to tie the game send it to overtime then they lose the series that next season they were like the best basketball team i've ever seen in my life and just watching that whole season was so much fun for me so i gotta say that tv moment has to be that tie between saints bringing home super bowl and then the revenge title from the spurs
1: my favorite sports moment, and it's not even championship winning wise. For sure that I saw on TV, the Mavs winning, the championship in two thousand and eleven was pretty great. I remember celebrating. I was with some uncles and family. That was fun. and then we went down to downtown Dallas the night they won in Miami. and it was just a lot of fun. But I would have to say one of my favorite like in-person experiences I've had, I went to New York with my family a few years ago, and we actually went to go see a Yankees game. And I'm not a Yankees fan. I don't really care for the Yankees, but being in Brooklyn, we rode the subway. I would honestly say like people have to experience maybe like Wrigley Field or, you know, you go to New York and go watch the Yankees. So that was definitely cool. Again, not a Yankees fan, but watching the Yankees play in their home stadium, you know, in the middle of... Of Brooklyn is uh it's pretty it's pretty awesome.
0: So Christian wants to know um, in U.S. soccer why is the women's team so dominant, and the men just can't seem to get it right.
1: Looking at it and thinking at it, thinking about it, I think coaching has to do a lot with it, right? U.S. men's soccer has have gone through many many coaches since their last World Cup, while the women have been pretty pretty stable when it comes to their coaching their players, the chemistry that all the players bring. And I think that's that's super important, right? And I think the women just know how to play as a team better. And they don't rely on just one player to essentially carry them to qualifiers or to the World Cup. The staff that each national team have does make a big difference. And I think the men are lacking that. I think the U.S. Federation is, is struggling on finding a consistency in the men's department more than rather than the women the women's have been really consistent and that's that's showing right it's what what's that phrase bread and the pudding like it's a, I'm so bad with phrases Proof. but you can just see it it's the, yes. and the Proof in the thank you you're welcome I'm, i might just be hungry i might just have a sweet tooth <laughs> pudding sounds good but you can just see it right they are the defending world cup winners so I think the the cast that they have around the teams is, is key to how good the women are compared to the men right now.
0: Now it's time for our favorite headline this week. I read a headline that said Bron James is an Illuminati wizard who is conjuring up demons before every game when he does his chalk ritual. <laughs> In the chalk, apparently, sometimes you can see like it's the shape of a demon. Or the shape of like some symbol that represents the end of the world or something like that. My question is, who's the better Illuminati wizard? MJ or LeBron?
1: <laughs> I'm a little dumbfounded, honestly. I <laughs> I don't even know my brain cannot comprehend this level of information. This is this is above my pay grade, I wanna say, but yeah. don't take me wrong here. If I can throw some chalk in the air and I and I end up going winning four championships I'll throw some chalk in the air. I, I mean, I think a lot of people would throw some chalk in the air if that's what that meant, right? Like if It makes LeBron James <laughs> LeBron James. I don't think I'm alone in this boat of, like, is it so bad to summon, you know, these basketball demons if I'm going to stop the Warriors in Game 7? But let's just hope he's not summoning demons and opening a portal in, a, in Orlando, Florida, because Florida already has enough problems. <laughs> so I I don't, think, I don't think they can do well with more problems. It's hard to follow up this one, man, but uh, I'll try my best. So a player by the name of Yves Busame, I probably butchered his name, but he's a Premier League player. He, I don't think he went full UFC on purpose.
0: <laughs> looking um, but at the picture, def- it looks like it.
1: Yeah, so looking at the picture, and you watch the video, he he did his best uh, UFC back heel roundhouse kick to the face on one of Newcastle's players. Of course, he received a red card for the incident. You know, he was ejected. But when you watch the clip, you just, you're just you just kind of like, oh, he did that. Because he's trying to control the ball. He initially hits it with his, like, shoulder slash chest. So it kind of goes up into the air. It goes behind him. And that's when he does that, like, without looking back. He kind of picks up his back foot. And just whacks the Newcastle player square in the face, full, <laughs> clean, full studs. But looking at the at the picture of the article, it's just a giant zoomed in photo of back heel, square to nose and face. So it's it's He's quite mashing it's quite into his face skin.
0: Oh my god! <laughs> just like a Jamal Lewis,
1: top flight of uh, English soccer for you. Hey, something to take home with you, right? After
0: Because they did get beat pretty badly. Newcastle did. So that's really rubbing rub some balloons. Yeah, you're going to have to be <laughs> scraping it out of your head after that. <laughs> that's all the time we have today, guys. Thank you so much for stopping by. Common Fan Commentary is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Podomatic. Be sure to check out our Facebook and Instagram. It's where we post our polls. Uh, shout out to Christian and at CodaTheHoundDog submitting those questions today. We'll see you guys next time.
1: Peace out, guys.